than that song, it asks grace, what have you done? And as we come in this in this series of heart of worship, it's taking a look at who God is, now his character, what he has done and what he does. And as we know that deeper and deeper, as we begin to understand that greater and greater, that should cause within us a heart of worship that responds back to that very nature of God. As he reveals himself when we see who he is and what you have done. And that should move in our hearts this, this worship, this lifestyle that wants to give back. And so today's focus is on grace, this idea of grace. And uh, in Esteban's prayer, he gave us the definition of that. It's an unmerited, undeserved, impossible to earn favor of yeah. God. Yeah. It's grace. Poured out. And understanding that that grace, again, is something he reveals and he gives, not that just saves us, but also sustains us and sanctifies us. This grace that works us through and through, continually. Not a one-time act that gets us in the family. No, it does, but it continues to make us more and more like the father of the family. Is this grace. Totally undeserved, but given nonetheless. And as we receive that, then a heart of worship should be welling up inside of us to love him back, to, to respond with grace. And so I was thinking about this. There's a couple verses in the new version that are going to be on the screen that came to my mind, and the first one comes out of the book of John, in 1 John, uh, verse 14. Probably a very familiar verse, was that the Word became flesh, right? The divine reasoning caused eternal essence of God became flesh, incarnate, dwelt among us. He moved into our city. He loved where he lived. He made his dwelling among us. And he took that which was unable to understand and he put it into a, a form that we could touch, we could hear, we could see, we could try and understand this possible to comprehend God. And I love this. It says, He came from the Father, the one and only Son, the glory, full of grace and truth. And those aren't just the only two attributes of God, but He came, and I love how John focuses on this. He came full of grace and truth. Because grace is what initiated his coming. Without the grace of God, I don't think he would come. And so that grace leads the way for, for who God is, but also, I think, all of what he does. And then with that grace comes truth. Because sadly, we as humanity, as his prized possession, formed his image, decided to walk away from truth. Without his grace, I don't believe we can understand his truth. So he comes and he reveals himself, first and foremost, in grace, so that we can receive what we don't deserve, and then truth, so we can start to understand. And it's like that, that line in that awesome court scene towards the end of a few good men, right? You can't handle the truth. And you're right. Without the grace of God, you cannot handle the truth. wants you to handle the truth. He wants you to understand the truth, to know the truth, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He leads with grace. So we can handle the truth. So we can know the truth. So the truth will set us free. 
grace of the marriage favor of God in truth. What is objective, what is factual reality, that which pertains to God is eternally true. And sadly, in the garden, we decided to go out and have a fruit. We did it. He pursued us. And He pursued us to reveal Himself full of grace, full of truth. So as I was praying through that, I mean, what, what exactly does that look like? We went hardcore after 
the cravings of our flesh. It was that the brokenness, the tainted, and we were finding it. The cravings of our flesh. We followed every desire and thought of our heart and our mind. So broken, so distorted, but we went full force after it. So like the rest, we were guilty. By nature, deserving of wrath. We all were. All of us. With those orange guard clothes in a cell, guilty of death row. And there was nothing we could do about it. You know, seeing in the movie, you might have a great escape coming, right? There's, there's none of that. We are guilty in a supermax that we cannot break out of. life we live, the brokenness that we held on to, we were deserving of that guilt. That's what Paul says. It's the opening scene of this, this movie in these first few verses. Like, this could run out. 
If I give that away, I might not be able to find another one just like it. Um, you know that I love running. I did this crazy adventure run coming down the road, up and down, back and forth, Grand Canyon, and survived. Um, but I used to have this um, this armband for my old phone, which was really small, that I loved. But as phones get bigger and I didn't upgrade, um, and I saw that you know I might not be able to find a replacement for this band that I wear out frequently, I bought two extra because I was in scarcity thinking. But the one that I keep care of never broke. And so I had two extra sitting in my extra running band. And then I upgraded to a new phone. So I had to buy a new armband. So those two that I had because of my scarcity thinking that I had just in case, I ended up throwing away. Because that was my mindset. I wasn't in the mindset of abundance. I wasn't in the mindset of grace. I wasn't in the abundance of, of rich father. And I wonder sometimes in our lives how often we do that same thing. We hold on to something that we think because we think it will never come back again, and then the opportunities pass us, we hold on to it, and then it's just gone. And it's useless. Because we think it's scarcity rather than abundance. And that's what Paul is saying here. God who is rich beyond your wildest dreams and mercy. This love, this ever-ending love, this grace that is undeserved and that mercy of not getting what we do deserve is rich in not giving us what we really deserve. That's the extravagance of the but. We're guilty and we deserve. But that grace, that great love. And, and I was thinking about that. Right? So so finish this. If you're in like my family, finish this thing for me. Uh, here's a rule in our house. Do not play ball in the okay. Do not play ball in the house. Anybody ever have that rule in their house besides me as a kid? Anybody ever played? Baseball's outside, so never. all the house? So one time my parents were out of town, and my grandmother, my mom's, my dad's mom was in town watching us, and, uh, and I was playing ball in the house. And of course, it's football, so I was diving like over the, uh, the end table, so past the lamp with the tackler on the couch. Touchdown, right? Oh, you're right. I get back to the hallway and come back, right? And dive instead of getting this turn when I go. Because it was like big enough, the space. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. We did art on the walls. Oh, nice. Yeah. I got to do all the fun stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's Saturday. What are those things? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No curtains in the house. <laughs> 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 <laugh
my job is a piece of shit. She was merciful yeah. to me. Yeah. So what I deserve now is that she can't go running on my mind Yeah, that's so interesting. I can learn how to put her house in the and she did everything. All the architectural plans, all the plans with the city, everything. Amazing. Yeah. It's thing. Yeah. It's funny. And your mom was funny. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That is the grace of God that affects our 
say about it. That's what we sing about. Hopefully that's what we, we live about it. And I think about that. For this, this amazing grace we were talking about before, and we're kind of joking somewhat, probably not. I heard what he said. Um, about that song, right? What if we just sing the original song? Right? So I, I finally found the English red hymnal. There we go. So don't worry, it's uh, right? But you know this, you know this hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears believed. How precious did that grace appear in the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. When we've been there 10,000 years, it's so shining. Bright shining as the sun. We've known less days to sing God praise than when we first begun. Right? I think there's a reason why that hymn is arguably the number one hymn. Right? I know that Mighty Fortress and Great Like Faithfulness and How Great Thou Art, my corner arm wrestles with that top spot, but it really is that amazing grace. Because that amazing grace, everything flows. Flows down like rain. This fresh, anointing rain that falls down on us. Over and over and over. Paul would say the same thing to church of Rome in verse uh, chapter 5 verse 8 but God demonstrated his love for us and when we were still sinners Christ died for us we were still sinners we were in those prison guard clothes and even when we were at our best to deserve grace we were still at our worst and even when we were at our worst it was no better than our best because we don't deserve there's nothing we could do. And yet while we were still broken, satisfying the simple nature that we loved and we lusted after, that was the opportune time that Jesus said, now I'll die for that. Because that's the best thing to get to. So we died in our place, the scandal of grace. What have you done for me? God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We're connected with Him in order that in the coming ages He might show us the incomparable riches of His grace, expressing His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And think about it. This grace that, that affects us in this life and we see it as best we can. And then there's a day, right? I think in this life, God just saying, you think that's awesome? We can't see nothing yet. Because there's a day that's coming and you'll see it even greater and you'll be like, yeah, now you're sick. So practice now while you can understand the love you can because there's a day that's coming you're going to see like incomparable riches and you're going to be like, whoa! Sign me up for the choir!
life. I don't know if you're going to hug God or not, but I have to go up your mind like, who can I hug? I thank you. As he expresses his kindness, it's the best is yet to come. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. That's the very definition of grace, the gift of God. Right? You, you don't deserve gifts. They're given to you out of love. It's the very definition of grace. And he says, you don't deserve it, but I'm giving it to you anyhow. There's by grace that you've been saved. And of course, for the gift, you have, to, you have to take it, you have to open it, you have to accept it. That's that faith element. He says, here's the gift. Receive it, open it, and open it. First, by grace you've been saved. This gift, not by works, so no one can boast. The reality is, we do boast. It's great to boast. I, I, I encourage you boast. But boast in the Lord, not yourself. That's what he's reminding us. If, if you have that urge to boast and to glorify, then glorify the Father. Like if you have this, this willing of a boast of like a pride, then be proud about what God has done. Take that same feeling, that same emotion, like what are we doing? They're like to just be directed to the right place. Because I can't boast of myself, I've done nothing worthy. Not just the opposite. I'm usually trying to hide. Don't, don't look at my closet. I'm gonna expand the closet because there's a lot of junk in there. Like, don't open the closet. Like, hey, look at that smoke. Not the closet. So no one can boast. We are God's handiwork, His workmanship. The recreation, the new creation. The God coming and fully restoring that 67 Mustang, pristine, that you can actually drive because the parts are abundant. The handiwork, your God's artwork, in the hands of a master. I remember when I went up to St. Helena to pick up this um, this podium that a friend of mine built for, for us. And then I remember when I walked into his house, I saw it and I'm like, you know, I don't have that senior pastor gig there. I don't get it. And I think I'm going to reimburse the church for what we paid for it, very little, and uh, bring it home. Because <laughs> it's such, it's a wonderful design if you've never seen it. And you've thought this all up, there's not one nail in here. This is the work of an artist. In fact, he got so far into his first design, he realized there was a flaws. He scrapped the whole thing because he said, no, this is worth it. And he made this one. And that's what God does. The handiwork, the workmanship, the craftsmanship in each of us to tailor, restore, rebuild, and renew a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And that work, that word workmanship is the Greek word where we get the word poem. This is a we are God's poem. And it's a continual writing poem. He's writing about us every day. Oh, she's done. Oh, at least we come. Oh, I love them so. Are God's workmanship created in Christ.
do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so for those of us who are the achiever type, right, we have a goal, we want to do something accomplished, this is it. It's like then, and you couldn't earn that grace, but out of that grace, walk this way, live this way, reflect, and look like Jesus who came through grace and truth. Be like him. Thank you. 
people very practical. Uh, if you know anybody very action-oriented, but I know I'm able to do something about it, God, what seems to be like a scandal to us, 